0: if working Dang disney's God. tangled i don't think i've had a film work more than disney's tangled the review today yeah. is what we're doing
1: yeah yeah there have been some big movies that came out and we've decided that we need to
0: review disney's tangled disney's tangled today, um, it's tangled day ladies and gentlemen and I've been seeing a lot of people go to the theater and they, they say uh, two for Tangled. And it's sorry, it's Disney's Tangled. <laughs> they say it takes two to Disney's Tangled. <laughs> um, uh, but, but three is a, is a Disney's uh, crowd. Three is a Disney's crowd coming 2023, baby. <laughs> um, Disney's Tangled is the most innovative uh, CGI on the market. Today, the amount of invented
1: technology on display in Disney's Tangled is all,
0: yeah. awe-inspiring, and the production. I mean, they were waterboarded while while voice acting for the entire film. They were underwater. That's how they got such real Scottish accents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and that's what I that's what I love about uh, Disney's Tangled is I remember I remember all of the characters. I remember all of their names and um yeah we're just we're just happy to have yeah. this uh re-release in theaters my
1: favorite thing with disney's tangled is how i'm always a hundred percent sure i'm not confusing it with that movie brave <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think they should i think they should share a ride and and you should dip in between different vignettes and you might not even know which film you're in
1: and there's like a there's like a little quiz and if you get all the answers
0: right they give you a little prize <laughs> <laughs> um you it should be one of those sh- ones where they give you a gun and you can shoot things uh in the environment oh but, yeah but this is the first one where there's 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 gonna be there's gonna be civilians in it because you know the, all the all the ones so far the buzz one where you shoot stuff no civilians in that one you're just blasting away a kid could do that and if you hit the civilians in this new one there's gonna be consequences yeah yeah
1: Prizes. Prizes? <laughs> yeah, and then maybe a guy dressed in all black takes you down to the Disney training facility <laughs> and says, alright, you're going to be one of our
0: elites when the fall comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You, you are one of our, um, fuck, what are they, what are they called in Halo? Uh, arbiters. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be the, va- the vanguard of the Mouse's army <laughs> when the time comes. <laughs> damn uh big week big week for movies uh, uh disney's tangled released alongside a small underdog film called avatar way of the water yeah <sighs> uh a niche release from an unknown director <laughs> a niche release from my niece james cameron uh wait why is my camera off let me turn my camera on Not sure i can turn mine on them. and you know let's, let's uh podcast listeners stand by <clears> hmm <throat> Clicking the Sparko cam. Oh, I'm in, pure, I'm in pure darkness. Here we go. Turn light on. That's
1: cool. It's like um, it's like a light dark. Uh, it's like a contrast thing.
0: Yeah, this is, this is like the Last Jedi all over again. Yeah. and our politics have to meet somewhere in between the Discord calls. Yep, in this little tiny slice of screen right <laughs> between the two video windows, we got to figure out. We got to live right in there. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I don't know, there's a lot of video game stuff to cover, a, lot, a big movie just came out that me and Lux have a, probably a lot to discuss, and you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of social contact anymore, so I'm enjoying doing this show again. Welcome to Game Boys, uh, I'm Griffin, <laughs>
1: and uh, I'm Lux, what an inspiring intro. Um, we didn't do a rundown before because we, uh, I guess, forgot. Do we want to do games first, then do movie second? So we just don't to put our time limit on the movie. Or that probably makes though?
0: sense. That okay. probably makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, there's been some gaming updates. Damn, uh, a lot of gaming stuff. I I sent you a few messages. Let's see mm-hmm. what I sent you. Um, let's uh, let's start with um, <laughs> let's let's start with the Harry Potter game. Yeah. Okay. So. I was messaging Lux about the fact that I was going to play the Harry Potter game. Oh, the dog! Fucking noodles <laughs> hates that.
1: Uh, Vandal, Vandal is listen. Never, I never told Vandal and Noodles that you said that to me. And
0: now that they heard you on the podcast, they're pretty mad. Yeah, uh, I wanted to ascribe Vandal to a um, sort of like a, a movement or a group, but I feel like. Uh, if you're pro trans there's not like a fun moniker for that uh, It's called
1: uh, being kind of like a normal guy
0: right yeah oh I guess when you're one of the normal people that doesn't obsess over this all day <laughs> yeah. okay vandal go off <laughs> yeah, go off without
1: the thinking about these people 24/7 all the time no matter what's happening
0: <laughs> yeah um okay. Uh, That just happened, Vandal. Uh, Jake, so I was just talking to Lux about how, you know, despite all of the political nature of uh, the author of Harry Potter, uh, she slash her who must not be named. um, (laughs) That's a really good one. I think I told told Lux, I was like, you know, I'm still going to listen to old Kanye and I'm still going to read Ender's game because I like when children are fighting to the death. Um, And I'm still going to play this Harry Potter game because, you know, I was cocky. I didn't really think that J.K. Rowling was going to like uh, join the the discourse on the video game and that she was just going to let it release. Oh, no. No, she
1: went in cannonball, baby.
0: <laughs> I didn't get anything like I, I fucked up hard. Uh, JK Rowling tweeted, uh, let's see. Um, she's like attacking someone, uh, some Twitter account online who's like hating on the game. What did she say? Deeply disappointed, Jesse at Jesse gender doesn't realize pure think is incompatible with owning anything connected with me in any form. The truly righteous wouldn't just burn their books and movies, but the local library anything with an owl on it and their own pet dogs hashtag do better. So I think to me, the funniest thing about this is that the at Jesse gender tweet that she's responding to Mm -hmm. is like pretty innocuous, right? Because the tweet says I own the first nine movies and all seven books. Yeah, but any support of something like Hogwarts Legacy is harmful. Uh, So yeah, she's this this account is advocating for uh, not playing the game uh, firmly in Lux and the normal people camp, I guess.
1: like it's Um, yeah,
0: and it's so funny because like there are accounts out there that are like, I disavow all the old
1: books, I disavow all the movies, I. I burn an effigy, mm-hmm. all of my memories of JK Rowling. Right. And this person's right. like, look, I like the books. I, ha- I own the movies. Like I get it. But like, at this point, this lady's mm-hmm. gone so crazy. We probably shouldn't buy her video game, which is uh-huh. not like as far as things for JK Rowling to freak out about pretty low on the fucking list. And it's just like, mm-hmm. that's, that's what makes it feel so brainwormsy to me. I think is that like this one's like pretty gentle <laughs>
0: Right, yeah. Uh, this account has like fifty thousand followers. Is a writer that probably makes less than fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, yeah, it's a uh, pretty, pretty, pretty low stake. A lot, a lot of name searching happening on the J.K. Rowling account, no, no doubt. Um, so yeah, pretty anodyne tweet. Of course, this went off. With uh, a lot of people uh, saying that they're going to support JK Rowling and, and buy this game because they hate trans people, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, I think it's um. I listen. Here's here's what we do now: we pirate the game. Oh yeah, and and we add a mod where we can trans characters. Then you can play as a trans person, and it's like we're. We're taking it out of their hands. There's got to be a trans mod. That is like absolutely like a powerful, happy, like a hacker's delight. Right. Like we should, we should like, I mean, like it's harder to do that, like with a book without being like, lol, I changed, I edited the PDF, but in a game, you know, we can, we can, we can, uh, make the sorting hat RuPaul. Yeah. Exactly. You can make Ron Rondo Weasley. Yeah, we could change everything. We could make Hagrid straight.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's true. The notoriously gay character Hagrid. <laughs> um, famously so. I just think it's like it's so strange to me that like, at I least mean, it's not that strange, but it's like, it's it's one of these things where like, uh. I have for several years had a pretty ungenerous reading of like the way Harry Potter, the books work in the sense that like I've always found the ending to be sort of like lib nerd shit and not
0: interesting or cool. um well the, hor- the horcruxes are very lib
1: not the horcrux in particular. the elder one shit at the end where harry is like the
0: elder one it's yes. like i
1: have those powerful weapon and harry's like well but you don't know the procedural rules of how to use it right and then voldemort's right. like gotcha mm. and then it's like nope you know the rules backfired you're in big trouble and then right. like that combined with the fact that what everyone's fighting for is to preserve a clearly flawed status quo mm. um Makes the makes the story not that like, you know, I like there's a lot of stuff I like about it, but it makes the ending sort of feel shitty to me. Um Yeah, what are the what are the snake what are the bad guys fighting for? The bad guys want to do a genocide of But for of muggles. Of muggles and like muggle-grown okay. wizards. Uh and right, then okay. the good guys want them to not do that. Don't really want to do anything like provide their infinite health to the rest of the world or like free uh, right, right, or right, like right. free the house elves, or like do like you know, a more interesting version of the story is like Harry Potter, who grew up in the Muggle world, saw a lot of people who broke their arm and had a bad time, and then went to the Magic Hospital and thought it would be cool if we could do this for like everyone, and then like tries <laughs> to like do that, right? Like that's like a more interesting narrative. Um, but that's not what it is. But that that's fine. But it's always positioned the books to me as like kind of like centrist reactionary stuff because it's like what we have is fine, just don't fuck it up by being too evil. Um, is like the ethos. And then it's very funny that like she really means that to the degree where like if people like she was like, no, this was book this book was about a world where there aren't any trans people. If we try to change the world too much by adding trans people, we'll fuck up all the magic. And it's like, it's nuts. Um, it's very, very weird. And it's so weird that so many people like are like there's so many of the comments on her post are like, I stand with you and your books. Your books mean so much to me, so I agree with you about this gender stuff. And it's like
0: Yo, you can still like
1: the books and think that like this gender stuff is bad.
0: Yeah, I I never read, I never really took a lot from the books in terms of like JK Rowling ever having any opinions on like structural, like, Critiques of like society and it always seemed to be more focused on like the personal coming of age growth of like its characters. Because like any kind of like m- more structural analysis kind of falls apart because like none of the conflicts really arise from any of that like class difference or like structure difference. Well, think- so it's like the the stories never really focus on that in a way where it's like a elephant in the room, so to, me, um, of, to be honest. To me, it's sort of like, the earlier with the earlier books, a million percent
1: with you. Like, especially like the earlier books, are, I think are also the strongest books. I'm with you a thousand percent. I think as it goes on, it increasingly alludes to how the, the magical world works and what's going on around them. And increasingly, like, sort of just, like, provides these details, but doesn't investigate or, like, raise any questions about them. And the details become increasingly sort of, like like they're like these fascists to go over the parliament that doesn't do anything and sucks. And it's like, well, why, does, why is like, I mean, that's worse,
0: but it's not like that. that's sort of bad too. Um, yeah. But like the, again, she doesn't care about any of that. It's like, like those things are just like matter of fact, because that's the world that JK lives in. Like, like there is an FBI and an MI six and they're mysterious, scary and cool. And like, if you don't have any structural analysis, those are just the evident reality surface facts to like norm. Right. Totally. And well, that's, that's sort of like what you know to to borrow the fucking like i don't like that's why she's not to me like ayn rand or something where it's like it's all it's like super baked in that she like has a like structural worldview it seems like all of her like Transphobia stuff came like came like like was in her the whole time, but came out much yeah. afterwards. No. And in like I mean, like the only one that even seems slightly like concerned with trans stuff is maybe Chamber of Secrets with the bathroom politics. Yeah, you know, there's 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 boys going in the girls' room uh, of the of the restroom, and you know that's taboo. Um, but I guess Harry Potter was allowed to do it, well, so maybe hypocritical. Much? Yeah, that's that's a good point. And also, just like what I mean is, like, it's very, um,
1: it's very, uh, what's the phrase of uh, like very like, death, very like death of the author, like, kind of thing with with her and her like politics element. It's that mm-hmm. it's it is the fact that she's someone who takes all of these sort of detail that you're describing as like granted. That's the whole thing, right? So, she takes all these things for granted, as, like, this is the way the world works, and this is fine, and there's no reason to question it or whatever. So, it just goes in my book. Right. And like, that's, that's right. where a lot of this analysis comes from. Cause you're totally right. That it's not like the books provide the structural analysis of any of this stuff. It's just sort of like
0: mm-hmm. the
1: amount, the, the ease with which he's like, well, of course there's magic police who watch everyone. <laughs> like that's, that's the part that, that makes it kind of wiggly. But yeah, to get back to the, to the game, it's very, it is like, it's just crazy that like, I don't know how British people learn this, but it doesn't like every British person's response to like being obviously on the wrong side of stuff is to, Double down endlessly, because this Mm -hmm. game. So two of the biggest J.K. Rowling critiques are like the transphobia stuff and like the anti-Semitism stuff with the goblins. And this is the this Mm. is the game where a huge part of the plot is that goblins are sneaking around stealing kids, like.
0: Yeah, what like even okay, like that is the goblins is the big one for me. Where even as a kid, when I saw the first Harry Potter movie and like Harry Potter's walking through Gringotts Bank and I saw like the little goblins, like their noses were just so insane. I don't know, there was something about it. I mean, Uh, they were always (laughs) like very uh, offensive. (laughs) But again, like that wasn't like she was pulling from a source with that one. Like, like this, not that's not the first time we've seen goblin. like she got like she caught she biked that from someone else.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. But I do think that um goblins like I think that goblins had an you have to choose like by the time she was writing that she was like there were enough iterations of goblin in the zeitgeist that she picked anti-Semitic goblin. Right, mm. like there were also there's lots mm. of other kinds
0: of goblins out there. Um, right, maybe not in London, but maybe elsewhere. Yeah, you sure. Know. Sure. Down in Africa. Down in deepest darkest Africa. Um, <laughs> down, down there. Uh, I think I think that's certainly a part of it. I mean, like, yeah. So I don't know. For me, I, I did not expect her to want to like darken the doorstep of this video game release i'm sure the developers don't want to either and you know what's really sucks is like i mean she's been making comments like this for probably like five to seven years now but it felt like this game definitely was in development like before it got really bad and i feel bad for these developers who like most likely aren't Like, oh, I mean, I guess most aren't transphobic. I guess there's a large majority of hashtag normal people working on the Harry Potter game. Uh, And it it must suck to, like, uh, have this, like, psychotic person just, like, tank the whole experience. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing or, like, one of the biggest things with it is that, like, they – there's – WB – in particular with all this has been trying to like strike this balance where like a big part of a lot of the followings for a lot of the main things Warner owns, like a lot of the cartoon shit and a lot of like the HBO shit tends way more liberal leftish, whatever. And so Warner's trying to do this dance where they're like, yeah, we own the Harry Potter stuff and it's for kids. And we know JK is kind of iffy, but like we are trying, you know, we like, we're trying to like, like, you know, sort of split this difference. And then they're like, well, we're putting out this game. And but like, you know, that has nothing to do with her. She's not involved in the game. And then she like busts up in the scene and is like, I am so involved with this game. <laughs> yeah. And like <laughs> right. the people at Warner must be like going fucking nuts because they've been very clearly like
0: trying to sort of keep her away from sort of everything. I guarantee you JK Rowling doesn't even know how to like, m- like move with the left stick and aim with the yeah. right. Like this motherfucker has not touched a video game console ever. Eat shit. You're a fake gamer and a fake friend, dude. Fuck off. Hundo
1: per sundo. J.K. I think that's something that we can commit to as a as a show is that we firmly believe J.K. Rowling is a fake gamer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but jury's out on fake friend. I guess yes, no. She's definitely
0: a fake friend. She's seen.
1: She wanted to be a friend to all children, but she's really abandoned quite a lot of them. Um. <laughs> What, what's next? Um, do we want to talk about games a lot. We want to talk about let's go. I mean that was the biggest thing. Uh, there's games that we're playing. There's
0: games. Oh, uh, live action Death Stranding film. Oh yeah, why? <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know. Like this is one where I actually could like, I could see it. I mean, it is one of the complaints. With video game movie
1: adaptations of video games historically has always been sort of like, you know, they're forced to add more meat to the bones of the game because the game is a lot more like does a lot more works by like it's you who gives a shit what the plot is like you empathize all the shit going on because you're the character, um, which movies don't do. And so people had to add a lot more fluff to these movies to like give you a little bit more like context. And then the adding context, adding fluff makes the movies draggy and shitty and boring. Um, and it's fair to say that they don't need to add a lot of extra shit to Death Stranding. Death Stranding really has all the shit you need in the, you know, in the game right away. I mean,
0: they they need to take some out. Yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Actually, the, after I said I could see it now, I'm starting to see it less and less because I think the number one thing about the game was a, the sense of loneliness and the sense of connection when you finally did make connections and see other people leave things out in the world for you. And I don't really know how to like express that sentiment um, in a movie. So I guess uh, we'll have to yeah, see, well, especially but I mean, in I, tr- a movie I trust Kojima in a way that
1: doesn't feel like magic, right? Like, like you could do a movie where there is a lonely character walking around and is finding things that they need and wondering where they came from. And that, there's movies like that, that are fine but like you can't, the story of Death Stranding is not the kind of story where like someone is like gifted a ladder by a genie. It's like this like broader thing of like multiple people working together to do a thing is like why that matters. And so you kind of lose all that in this, in, in the movie
0: format, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we'll have to see, we'll have to see. Um, I think we'll, we'll talk more about movies a little bit later. Uh, the last little piece of, uh, of gamer news i wanted to talk about was that there's a this a second tweet i sent you the one right before the jk rally um so powerful stuff uh, this is uh this is great i love when people uh get really bad news on camera this was sort of a george w bush uh moment um for a certain live streamer uh where he was uh, this Rich Campbell guy got canceled uh, for, I guess, um, content warning, some uh, sexual assault allegations against him that seemed pretty creepy. Uh, this is actually th- the second member of the One True King OTK gaming company to be outed for sexual assaults. So that's two, I think, within three months. Um, of members that have had to step down, um, which is interesting. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but specifically, what happened here with Rich is Rich was uh, sh- streaming when he found out that he was getting canceled. He's sitting here on the couch, and then uh, he he immediately had to had to leave, and uh, his co-host replaced him with a baby. Yeah, that's <laughs> a child, a, a kid, a child.
1: The side by side images are. One of the funniest things in the world.
0: <laughs> it'd be funny if that had happened to Bush. If he'd gotten, like, the, the towers are going down announcement, and then he put a little baby in a suit up there. Yeah. I mean, I kind of love uh, that this baby looks... Reading even, stories. This baby, like...
1: It's a kid. Yeah, this, is this kid's, like, six or seven. This child is dressed perfectly for being a stream guy. <laughs> like, he has the cuffed, sleek, the cuffed hoodie on. Like... It looks like this kid was born to do this. You know, this kid was born
0: bred in a lab to stream Minecraft. He's, yeah, exactly. He's test tube, and also to to be sort of the break glass if necessary co-host. Yeah, because like, <laughs> like you gotta think that like a producer or something around there. If it's that
1: big of a stream, so it's like why why there's no other adult in the room. Yeah, it just right? has to be They're this like,
0: nearby youth. <laughs> They're like, hey, so. Uh, the 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 you know you know like they're talking to the kid yeah. to like get him on the couch like okay so you know rich right you like him right well no now he's bad okay he did something he's a bad guy now and you have to you have to be rich now so I'm a bad guy No, you well, have no. to be good and also don't talk about why rich is bad on the stream <laughs> actually yeah we don't know rich you don't know rich anymore forget all <laughs> yeah, about they, rich where rich lives in your head and make a big deep dark hole and then seal it up. If your mom asks if Rich was here today uh, on set, that's n- that's not true. You don't know who Rich is. When your mom says, "Did um, you see Rich on the
1: set today?" you say, "Who's Rich?"
0: Yeah, and then uh, and then you're safe, yeah. uh, man. And so it's I, the brand, uh, yeah last thing i'll say is like uh I don't, it's kind of weird it, it is a little weird that like i guess I'm, what, what is it like two out of eight of the partners of this company are or is that weird i guess is that every company uh, well i think
1: a it's most companies and b i think it's probably right, particularly okay. prevalent in like tech gaming zones because of like the historical construction of those spaces and all that stuff um and like you know what gets normalized like i'm not saying that all gamers are creeps or whatever but i do feel like especially people like we came up playing games in the 90s early 2000s like there were a lot of people out there who were like willing to learn and perform creep lessons um and so i just think that like you're just more likely to get
0: that occurrence in these settings anyways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah I, I, if you've if you spend more than like an hour and a half to two hours a day in discords you might be a freak it's true Right. And that's why it's ask, too bad the
1: people listening couldn't see the face he made when he said that. <laughs> um, I was trying to. I was trying to. Do the, you might be a red. Yeah, no, you kind did a pretty good yeah. Jeff Fox for yeah. the E phase. Um, yeah. All right. Should we run the games we're playing? Any new updates before we go to commercial and do the avatar thing? Oh yeah. All right. Oh So yeah. what are you playing? Oh, What's yeah. our you
0: update? Up? Um, my big uh, my big update is I am way 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 deep into God of War Two. This game is like an it's like a JRPG. It's like. If you do the side stuff, it's like a hundred hours. Yeah, big game. It's too big. Big big game. It's too big. Look, I like JRPGs are allowed to do that because at the end of those game, well, I guess you kill God at both of these games. Um, but in JRPGs, it's turn based, you know. But like with this, like demanding, like action combat, that's just too long. I think it's too long to be swinging and slashing. I felt that way about Elden Ring too. I liked it
1: more in Elden Ring because the of, like, how much variance you could have with the respecs if you're just, like, going around fucking around. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas God of War, like, you're just... There's not, like... The builds are all pretty similar.
0: Mm. Yeah. You uh, you you're, you're, you just get to, like, f- focus on, like, what you really like to play with. Because there's, like, a lot of different move sets yeah, there's, like, that can be a lot of fun performed s- or for- forgotten. Yeah, there's a lot of
1: fun <laughs> stuff to do with Kratos. But, like, it's all doing stuff with Kratos. Like, it's just not... It doesn't vary that that much. Um, it's cool, but it, it's not as variable. But I do agree. Like, I mean, I've been I've been feeling the the God of War two drag lately. I've been really annoyed by the, the quest where you're with Freya and you're on the sled with the wolves you have to follow the wolves to where the
0: Norns are. That shit is frustrating as hell. <laughs> because it's like it's like one of those ones where it's like we're dragging this out. Like you're gonna go to two places that are wrong first, yeah. just because we're like artificially extending the mission. Yeah, you to like
1: follow the wolves, but the wolves like aren't that clear of a thing to follow. How like where to go always? Like sometimes like you have to go pretty far off the course one direction, that to recorrect the other way,
0: and you need to like s- triangulate that shit. The game actually has a huge problem. I didn't have that problem with the wolves, but with the compass bar at the top, it's one of the worst in modern games where it like you're trying to like, because oftentimes you're going to be looking at the top bar to see wh- where your point of interest are and how far away f- from them you are. But in my game, I'm constantly looking up there and they're constantly like stuttering and like flipping like left to right really rapidly. So you're not really sure which angle you're supposed to go at and combine that with these levels that have these incredibly linear, sections to the open worlds that are unavoidable that are very like meandering and turny so you get like super turned around and the compass bar is like just jittering the whole time
1: yeah it's that that part's frustrating because like i do i like this game enough that if i could get like a little bit of time just like put my foot on the gas and go 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 Mm -hmm. i i feel like i would have a pretty fun time um uh, yeah. and really like get into the story and be able to have some fun even though it is a little draggy as we've talked about before I feel like you could just like kind of push through that and it would pick up again and kind of like it kind of mm-hmm. does when you get to Atreus and, and Asgard and stuff um, so it's like it, I wish that it could do that but instead uh, it just it these quests that should just be like we're doing it bam action adventure here we go blah 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 become like these draggy weird things where, like you're saying you're like I just don't know which direction I'm even going half the time to get to a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, that becomes very frustrating. Um, And slows down this game that should just feel like breakneck speed. I feel like.
0: Yeah. Because there are a lot of parts. Well, there are parts of the game where it is breakneck speed and you do feel this like forward momentum, which makes the jarring kind of stops or like hurt, like hurt so much more. Um, So yeah, there's, there's some issues there, but what I do want to say is like, man, you know, I am enjoying the hell out of this combat. I think the combat is almost oh, the twice awesome. It's almost like twice as good as the first game. They've made it like snappier, faster, wilder. I like I can't believe the things I'm doing sometimes on screen with like the ways I'm doing these uh, combining like all these different elements and magics and tools together and like rapid fire to like, you know, um, disarm three or four different people at once. I'm playing on hard mode. So there are areas that feel very Dark Soulsy, and that I'm dying like 10 or 12 times before like being able to like defeat the area or defeat the mini boss. And it's very satisfying. Um, you finally at this one point of the game, you get a third weapon and the weapon is phenomenal. It's so much fun to play with and it opens up all these new possibilities. Um, So I think that this game brings out in its combat like something that is probably one of the best combat games I have ever played. To me, it feels like it's achieved something so phenomenal in this game that it really feels how I feel about Destiny in the shooting genre, which like Destiny is like one of the best feeling shooters ever made. It's just wrapped in a lot of bullshit. And I feel the same way about God of War, where there's this incredible combat system that's probably the best melee combat system like in modern in modern games in a long time. But then you're constantly having to deal with bullshit um, that kind of like takes you away from that. And then... Also, sometimes they are artificially elongating it to where that combat starts to feel repetitive.
1: Yeah, that's it. Do, they That's my biggest complaint with it is you have a lot of the same fight a lot. And a lot of times the thi- <laughs> I like when bad guys, you have to figure them out, but I don't like when bad guys are. You just have to hit them extra many times.
0: Um, and and they they do do a they do like a great job at throwing lots of different enemies with you the bosses in this game are incredible and there are so many different bosses and they've even brought back what i really loved about the original series which is a lot more giant creatures which the first one really missed uh they throw a lot of big stuff at you later in the game and it's like oh those those spectacle moments that i wanted I'm more complaining about where it's like there are some levels where there's like probably eight areas of enemies you have to get through, and then like a really interesting boss at the end. Make it like four of those areas instead. Like you, you, you end up just feeling very repetitive, just getting through the the zones after a while.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it, it, it that's like I think it's so frustrating because the main thing is just that there's so much game in this game to deal with but it's all like technically executed at such a high level that you don't like want to be so mad about it but it's just a little bit annoying
0: that there's just like so much extra time like it's chuff it's like fluff it's like it's not bad and it doesn't taste bad but when you have to do a hundred hours of it or something then it's like okay
1: yeah well and like so many of these things you're describing these big bosses these like fight sequences these where like different combinations of bad guys that force you to take different tactics and different new introducing new bad guys to figure out all that stuff. Like that's all great. And like all hits really hard the first time you're doing it, but it just like you, it, it, they don't maintain that intensity throughout permanently. And it just starts to drag a little bit because like, I just wanted to be like, ah, like let's do it. Like let's everyone everything to feel like the first time I had to figure something out and I'm going this crazy adventure instead of just being like, Oh, it's more of the same guys
0: uh frustrating stuff yeah i I hear okay i want to talk just a little bit about the story just for a little bit i gotta work because i I am more through it and the story has a midpoint that deeply like accelerates and makes the story more interesting for a time and then like they they constantly keep stopping the story again Um, so they don't really learn their lesson after they get the story going. They kind of like constantly want to like rest the story again and like decide to like set you on another adjacent journey to gain another object rather than like pursue the conflicts that are right in front of you. And it feels very sword and shield in that way almost, um, where you're like constantly orbiting around the conflicts rather than like engaging in them. And then on top of that, there's this very, very frustrating narrative around prophecy and fate that I don't think is firmly implemented in the story in a way that is like gives the audience a way to access it and then access the drama that's supposed to like underpin everything because it's all so vague and confusing. There's this thing called Ragnarok that, you know, for me, I don't know a lot of North. I'm getting everything from the game, all my information. So Ragnarok is a war of gods um, that started when a bunch of gods fight. But then there's sort of this like prophecy uh, where it's like, here's how it happens. And all the characters know those events and say they don't want to like pursue them. But then like through very little cajoling, they end up just doing the prophecy anyways it's 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 just hard to really understand is Ragnarok like something where like everyone is like just like faded and forced to fight or was this like created from people's choices it all just starts to kind of like be really confusing and I'm not really sure what the intention of the writers is and it should be pretty clear at this point of the story for me to care about any of the Drama. Yeah, I've been frustrated by it for that reason, too, because it feels like there should be some kind of
1: irony happening here in some way or another of, like, Mm -hmm. people are trying to avoid Ragnarok and thusly causing it, or, like, Kratos, like, Loki's choices that are are making things worse and Kratos knows that. And so he's like pushing him on it or like there has to be some layer of clear irony that we can engage with. And it's especially weird because like this kind of dramatic irony thing is so Greek. So it'd be such like a nice way to tie the God of war games together to like stay in this, like it's a Norse myth via Greek mythology sort of modes. But mm-hmm. it is so weird because all the time, at least in my way, not quite as far as you are, but like people are running around being like, well, we know how Ragnarok happens, so we just have to not do that. And it's like so so are like so just don't do it. Like why is right. why is that hard
0: to avoid, you know? And it, and if there was an irony around like this if there was some sort of like point about like oh, like if everybody knows their fate, then they're like constantly like doomed to like follow it out or whatever or they're like addicted to like or they're like unable to they they think they're unable to make their own choices because they're aware of this prophecy but that doesn't seem to be the angle either it's this really clunky confusing thing where like atreus is just like doing his own thing and kratos is like saying he's not going to do anything but then I, for seemingly no reason other than like just you know normal conflict he can he like seems to continue to like all of a sudden fall back to his old ways and i don't know it just it seems like it's one of those almost like jj abrams moments where the mystery is so thin and elusive that the drama starts not making sense and kind of falling apart
1: yeah it does feel that way and it's frustrating because like obviously no one the whole fourth god of war was all about how the first three god of wars were very shallow and simple and kind of dumb um but at least with those ones it was like yeah well like kratos is pretty mad and that's the story (laughs) of the game and everything that's happening is just going to make him more or less mad probably more (laughs) and like then it will reach a climax we'll get to see it and obviously that's not nearly as like thoughtful or interesting as a game about a reformed murderer or a game about our choice and ideas. But like it made everything a lot more dramatically clear and propulsive because it was so easy to just be like, oh, no, is Hades like is, you know, Ares going to kill this other lady that Kratos met? Who knows? Oh, he did. Now Kratos is extra mad. I guess I'll have to kill this rock monster like that was at least a lot clearer
0: and more like pushing you forward into the story everyone's kind of like spinning in these like stasis circles of uncertainty which doesn't like add propulsion and also because the audience is uncertain on what even how Ragnarok happens and its events like it's confusing when things happen if you're supposed to know oh that oh now that checked off Ragnarok or that didn't check off Ragnarok um so yeah just this whole kind of just general I mean the title of the fucking game they're kind of not doing well. <laughs> uh, but just from my perspective, I, I think that like it makes it a frustrating experience because you don't re- you just like you feel like you're almost there in Kratos's head with this stuff, but you're just so damn frustrated because it seems like the majority of this conflict is just the fact that Atreus refuses to give information to his father and. Like without that info, and that lack of information leads them to just continue to be aimless and make more mistakes. And it's not with- even like a category of information. Like that's the thing. Yeah.
1: If if he's like a dumb teen who doesn't think a certain type of thing is important or whatever, and is neglecting that because he's dumb or doesn't notice or doesn't clock it or whatever and that becomes a problem later, that's one thing. Like, that's understandable. But it's just whatever information is most important at a given time, he doesn't want he to refused, tell his He's like, his no, dad. fuck you. Like, whatever you. is the no. most
0: important thing he could possibly tell him, he's like, no, anything but that. Like, that's the thing. But, and, and, what's, and what's funny is, like, if, if the game had at least framed it as, oh, this is a petulant, annoying-ass, like, child who's, like, going through puberty and is being ridiculous, then, like, at least we could, like, Uh, uh, like honor that. But instead the game like wants you to empathize with this kid and like wants you to like understand where he's coming from and where he's coming from makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It it makes no fucking sense. So it's, it's like, it's, it's this really frustrating uh, thing where it's like, I think like in the first game a sort of a general gamer comment is just like oh the kid's annoying or whatever i like kratos the kid's annoying he's got a squeaky voice but like in this game i'm for the first time being like the kid is annoying because the kid makes no fucking sense
1: yeah it's it it really detracts from a game that has a lot of like
0: Going for it, yeah. A lot of just like mechanical, like mechanical juice, but it doesn't. And a, and a lot of performances that are that yeah that, that like are like oh man, like this re- this could be something greater than what it is. There are some scenes between uh, Atreus and Kratos that are really well performed that that do feel slightly meaningful. Um, and I still do want to see where Kratos' journey ends because I do care about him as a character. But man. This is not a, a story that like I want to experience a second time ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, I'm eventually. I think probably during like the holiday break I'll finish the game up. Although, oh yeah. um, I got to fin- I want to finish the game Chained Echoes that I started, which is a very cool little retro style RPG. Um, nice. You want to talk about that after the break? Yeah, I, mean, I don't have to get, even get into it. Let's just go talk about Avatar. But it's cool. I'll, I'll talk okay. about next week when I play a little bit more of it. All right. Um, but let's sick. go talk well, let's, about
0: commercials. Let's do it. <laughs> What's the biggest crossover between our podcast and other podcasts? I don't even know. Probably either, probably House of Decline or Round Ball Rock. Oh, those are real answers. Okay.
1: But also, maybe, uh, stop, stop, don't tell me, wait, wait, don't tell me.
0: Pod Save America. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I meant wait, wait, don't tell me is in the podcast.
1: (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh, okay. I thought we were I thought we were guessing at the same time. <laughs>
1: yeah, I realized that like, um, Wait Wait Don't Tell Me was um a terrible
0: choice of random podcast to say in that moment. How about Way Way of the Water Avatar <laughs> 2, that is. Oh uh, I Okay. Okay, what where do we begin? Uh it's been a it's been a big it's it's been a big week. It's been a big week. Where okay should we just say let's like give it a
1: quick initial thoughts what what did you're like what's yeah. your off the dome opinion about this movie
0: Real, yeah. like a quick a quick answer <laughs> damn uh a technological feat uh explored new terrain something that feels almost that when it almost like fails as a movie, it's because it wasn't trying to do that and was trying to achieve something new and different in the sense that it's a three hour and 10 minute film with a story that's so simple, um, dragged out over those three hours and 10 minutes that it shouldn't really be enough. And the simplicity of that story also at times doesn't even really make sense towards the end in terms of character motivations, but it seems that that's not even the film's goal. The film's goal is something deeper to fully transport and transcend and take you to a place. And I haven't really got the film out of my head and I have to go back. Yeah. So I will be going back. I already have tickets for Tuesday, Um,
1: but also, okay, this is interesting. So I loved it. Um, obviously tech nerd, like show me the science of the camera's brain going doo-doo bananas throughout that whole movie and then going wild reading about how
0: they did everything afterwards. And let's both say where we, what, what version, what format we saw it in. i am X3D. Okay. You saw IMAX X3D. So was, it was
1: HFR. I got the 48
0: frames. You got 48. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cause it goes up to 60 in HFR.
1: Really? Cause I thought he shot on 48.
0: No, it's a mixture of 48, 60 and uh 24. Well, maybe we went 60. Yeah. I thought we were only on 48, but either way. Um, I actually I, I also so.
1: found that I found the story actually to be a lot more compelling than it seems like you did. Mm. Um, I really liked a lot of the story. I don't disagree that it was simple in a lot of ways. <laughs> But I think it was effective in a lot of ways by virtue of being pretty simple in a lot of spaces. Oh, you might be right. I think it's actually 48. Um, I found it to be really emotionally compelling and effective, even if it was yeah. very... Like, like you said, it is it is not a complicated movie. Um, right. It is, however, orders of magnitude more complicated a movie than the first one. Um, <laughs> and I will say, the, my last thought before we get a little more specific, is that like... This, like James Cameron, is just like king of sequels. Like Hmm. that man, like I think some of his worst tendencies emerge in like the initial introducing someone to a world and all in his movies. Like whether it's Terminator, some of his Mm one-off movies, the first Avatar, Mm -hmm. Titanic. Well, the reason I think the reason Titanic works is that he doesn't have to do that. I was, I know, I was, no, I know, but I was, I was going to mention that, so it was a good segue, like. They do the Turner 2, Titanic, and and Aliens, and, and this movie. They all like give you a little bit of context and basically just ask you to keep up and like have a lot of cool stuff in it and don't waste a ton of time just being like, remember all the rules.
0: Uh, right, yeah. But then there's really no act two to the film, uh, so other than just like trying to be a refugee, I guess. It's, like- it's very
1: weird. I us get into the story. It's very weird because... So okay so let's let's just maybe break down the
0: plot really quickly he, well yeah so basically like I mean the the plot is like you know Jake Sully realizes like he cares about his family and then his family's in danger so he realizes he like all of a sudden he decides the only way to survive is to hide and become a refugee so act two there are refugees in this new sea village and then by the end of the film Jake Sully realizes that he can't just hide to protect his family he must also fight to protect his family very very simple message but I think the weird thing is is in act two Jake Jake Sully's barely in it and the film passes on to the children and sort of what they need and care about a lot more than Jake Sully, who kind of just grunts and says, Hey, don't touch that. um, Which is really interesting. It seems like making centering the film around children uh, and centering it actually around animals of the sea was more the focus of the film. Yeah.
1: I I liked that. Actually. I liked that. I think sometimes I think a thing that happens in movies sometimes I do not love, and that also happens in books and other stories, is that you have a, a protagonist who in the first story is a nothing burger of a character. And then the second story, do you add new experiences that flesh them out? But sometimes people also like just throw backstory into them to like make it seem like they actually weren't such a doo-doo head before. And I liked that this movie, rather than doing either of those things, like, look, we know who Sully is. Sully is a fucking Marine and a like, war leader and a rebel guy and he cares about his family and he cares about this planet. Um, and that's his deal. We don't know these Mm -hmm. kids. These kids can all be a lot more interesting and have a lot more interesting perspectives on the world than Sully can really. And have like seen a lot more stuff. And so just let us sit with them. And that also gives us this lens into all these different perspectives on Pandora and on these people. I think it sets up really nicely for a third movie that is sort of like the end of the Jake Sully story. I imagine. Um, Mm -hmm. And a transition into more of the stuff with these kids. And I think that that all plays out really nicely. Yeah, but
0: at the the expense of Jake Sully having like an interesting arc over three hours. Yeah, but I think I kind of would prefer this to the Jake Sully movie. Oh, like certainly like, uh, but it, it does start to feel like this like sort of. This sort of main character, or at least that's kind of like established in sort of the visual cinematography and sort of just the narrative sort of iconography of the film. That it's like, oh, actually, this film really isn't about him at all. Yeah. Well, I think one of the I think one
1: of the coolest and most interesting decisions that they made, and I think one that mostly works, but I uh, was freaked uh, like I guess freaked out about it, for lack of a better <laughs> phrase while watching the movie, is that. So Quaritch is back, but he's an avatar now in the movie. The bad, the bad colonel. He's back. Bad guys. He's after, yeah. he's after uh-huh. Jake, but he's an avatar now. And throughout the first yeah. act of the movie, we're seeing Jake's family like running away and doing stuff. And we're all seeing Quaritch's squad, like slowly learning how to be like Navi marine guys. And uh-huh. then they get the bird creature things. They start to learn about that. And then we don't see them for an hour. For like yeah. fully an hour. It is just the Sully family, specifically the kids, learn how to swim and stuff. Um, yeah, And I thought that that worked and I loved that. That was an interesting choice, but it's a pretty crazy choice for that movie. Like, I think if they'd had check-ins on those bad guys, then we would have been in a movie where we also have to check in with Jake because Jake and Quaritch are in direct, like sort of mirrored figures. Um, But by just being like, all right, we're done with those guys for a while. It's all kids time, baby. We got to hang out with these kids in a way that I thought was pretty effective and good. And I thought that was a pretty brave choice the movie to make. So it'd be, it, like, it's crazy to just be like the bad guys are off the screen
0: for a little bit right now it also like it also doesn't like make a whole ton of sense why the bad guy is allowed to still go after this guy because it's like outside of the emotional personal grudge level like it wasn't he sent to like destabilize like the rebellions of the Na'vi and if the rebellion leader has like Abandoned the fight and is in hiding, then, like, it seems like to a certain extent, it's weird by the second half of the film that they're pouring so much into finding jake sully if he's he's the answer to stop the rebellion that's completely off screen abandoned by jake sully and are those people just being like murdered off screen right now like it, there's whole sense of like where they left and like where they ran from in the tree city is like completely an afterthought in the film it's like oh we're sea people now we don't even care about what happened to the tree people that's like
1: gets to like two of my big problems one is that like I would have received like one or two lines to explain how like, like, cause I, like who cares if Jake's there, if they can find the
0: camp, just go to the fucking camp. Like who cares about this guy? Like, yeah. Like he's, why is he the answer? He's well, not holding the plans to the death star. Yeah, I get, like they, they, they didn't make, it didn't make any sense why they're going so hard after this guy, other than personal grudge from well, the main guy. I get
1: why they're going after him in the sense that like, they do see a lot of interesting stuff about like what life's like on earth right now. In the movie, um, including, like, the primary thing, they're like, we need to take over this planet, like, totally. Like, this has to become New Earth. Um,
0: yeah, thank you, Edie. E- yeah. Edie, 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 e Falco Edie is the new commander. crushing it. Huge, huge, like, uh, Edie Falco coming in as the new big bad commander. That I'm like, oh, like, I, you just know she's going to, like, be screaming at a console <laughs> in Avatar 3. And oh, it's yeah. going to be phenomenal. It's going to be so good. But,
1: like... So I get like the idea that like this guy is like the hinge point, like the tactical framework that these rebellions hinge on. So like we have to get rid of him. But like you don't have to get rid of him first. And if like you have all your guys right there and you have a basic idea of where this camp encampment is where a bunch of the soldiers are, just get rid of like just get rid of those guys. Like I think you're right that it yeah. becomes this question of pers- of personal hunting down. And I wish we got in a couple of lines in the movie we either like Quaritch makes this like, look, it doesn't matter if we kill those
0: guys. Jake will figure out something to
1: do. He's dangerous that way. We have to Whoa. get
0: him or something. The commander should have said the commander should have pulled him out, and he should have gone back in anyways. Like yeah. that's what should, would have should have happened. Like Edie Falcon should have been like, "Why the fuck are we still doing this?" Like who cares? Like, uh, and he should have been like, "No, I'm fully committing to this." And so it's like in a movie that's three hours and ten minutes, when things like don't make sense, it feels like it's because Cameron just doesn't give a fuck about like even making it make sense because he has ten other things he he wants to show you, and he just like he has it's like it's because I've seen him make films that make sense yeah like like so it's like it seems like a, and almost doesn't seem like an omission it seems just like something that he does not care well, I about I think
1: that this movie much of the first movie and also like Titanic frankly is like speaking way more in emotions than logic in a lot of ways like there's enough cause and effect yeah. there's, enough co- there's enough cause and effect to follow but the thing that's, that's so well said. wants to do is like is of make you feel shit like that's the mm-hmm. thing and so sometimes it's like and it did yeah exactly it's sometimes like yeah, this logistics doesn't totally make sense. Or, like, why this thing is happening is, like, whatever. But, like, are people in your audience standing up and cheering when, like, the New Zealand pirate guy gets his arm cut off? Like, oh,
0: my God. Dude, (laughs) What my audience, I laughed super hard. I
1: popped for that so hard. Because this movie, like, okay, so when I saw RR this year, I think I talked about this a little bit. That was the first movie I'd seen in the theater, the big screening
0: with people in a long time that had like real stand up and cheer moments, maybe since like end game. Yeah. Yeah. Cam- Cameron was just like, I'm going to make everyone stand up and cheer for the crocodile hunter being killed. Yeah.
1: And for that's, a, that's
0: the, that's the power of cinema and
1: for a whale fucking <laughs> doing like a frog
0: splash onto a boat. And like, that was so lit. Yeah. And like oh. when, when that happened, I was like, oh my God, like. They rarely do, do they let the animal be the badass, right? Yeah. Oftentimes the animal is the ally or the accomplice and like the assistance, but like rarely does the animal get to like make the first move. Yeah, and like do multiple like s- save everyone and have an arc.
1: Yeah, like multiple times to- like in most movies, you're totally you're very aware of this. And like most movies, you'll get like there the fight scenes happening you'll get a couple shots of the animal exists and then the animal intervene in some critical way at a critical moment, but, like...
0: He just plops
1: on po- there. P- he t- just fucking- Pato, whatever his name is, like... <laughs>
0: he fucking hops he on there. He
1: crushes the boat, he smashes a bunch of things off of it, he takes down another couple of boats, he has, like, whole sequences... Getting Where he's re- just fucking shit up. Yeah, getting revenge for his, like, pod getting destroyed, like, he even has, like, a moment of, like, trying to decide if he should break the rule of no killing, and then decides to <laughs> do it, like... It's it's amazing, and it like that's like, I think actually that's sort of like almost microcosmic of the whole movie is like, James Cameron makes you care so much about this whale, and the whale's most effective emotional moments. It's not even saying shit. Like the most turbulent moment for that whale is him like swimming in a circle a lot in the ocean, like clearly being like. I really want to kill these guys. I'm not supposed to. Am I going to kill these guys? Let me decide. And then like, jumping out of the water and crushing them. And like, that's so effective. And I think this whole movie is just like that. Like it's just, yeah, every choice is made to cultivate maximum emotion. Like it's little things too. Like you have this annoying bubble gum chewing Marine Navi lady who was like a little more bad than the other ones. And so when she got killed, she got a little bit more sauce, <laughs> On her death mm-hmm. scene than the other ones did. And it's just little things like that that made it just like continually emotionally effective throughout.
0: Yeah. And that last hour is an emotional roller coaster of action. Yeah. Just what just jaw dropping. Like I saw Guillermo del Toro say on Twitter, like in a video interview, after seeing Avatar 2, that he was like, if I was like forced to uh die or direct the last hour of Avatar, I would start ordering a coffin. <laughs> like, because it's true. It's like to even comprehend like what it must have taken to like put any of those sequences together is just, it's just mind blowing. It's like, it is a spectacle. It's a work of art. It's like seeing a pyramid. Um, it's, it's totally entrancing and unbelievable. And the second half of the film is, is totally phenomenal and like a true incredible blockbuster. And something I was thinking about that I was walking out of the theater was, you know, The ending of Avatar 1, on a scale sense, was actually much larger than this. It was a giant battle in the skies over all of these different islands between the entire government force and the entire Na'vi force. Whereas, like, this was like a skirmish between, like, 20 guys and a boat. And it felt so much bigger and so much more raw and emotional than the, than the end of avatar one. And it's so, it's so interesting that I'm like, Oh wow, this really is the middle movie, huh? This was just a tiny little fight and it felt this big. Yeah. Well, cause I think I think
1: part of it is that like, because we had the one hour teen time break in the middle, we have like seven new characters that we give a shit about who we've like spent time bonding with all of whom pay off their various promised roles, including like good old, good older son, who's certainly going to, you know, you know, I guess we're doing spoilers, whatever. Who's like certainly going to die? Like,
0: I I kept mixing the sons up. Yeah, they, they were to that like, was one of my things. They were not as well distinguished, especially early they in need, the movie. They needed slightly more distinct haircuts between the two, and like one of them needed to be a, like a lot taller. Yeah, or like broader or something. They needed a little bit more physical distinction for sure. I kept on being like, "Fuck, which one is that?" Yeah, sometimes there's like these really tight shots in their faces and stuff. Yeah,
1: but we we get the the one who won't listen finally doesn't listen, but in the right way. And, like, finally learns the lesson of his stakes of not listening. We get the girl who plays around, gets caught and and tied up. We get the the girl who knows magic doing magic.
0: We get the loyal son doing a good job and getting killed anyways. Like, Mm -hmm. And we have this incredible uh, anti-hero arc with the villain where he has this, like, son in his life now. And, you know, this was, like, a moment in a blockbuster movie that surprised me where – The good guys were not the first people to back down in the standoff. He as the villain took his knife away first yeah and and that was like a real choice where I was like well they're clearly seeding this character to have a redemption in like Avatar three four or five or whatever uh because obviously Edie Falco is now the big bad but I don't know it was just like it was a very refreshing choice um it was a very fun choice because it allowed it allowed character growth for him and then still after that him and Jake could still beat the fuck out of each other um so it, it was it was just such a great payoff for every character.
1: Yeah, and I think that's sort of why it can be such a small fight and so effective, is that there's no character in that fight. Like, every character we're following that fight we were really concerned
0: about and like nervous for. And Except for Jermaine. Where the hell did Jermaine go? Like like it's a three hour and ten minute movie and you don't get a shot that shows he's okay. I think he died. I think he died too. He was like, on the boat that got fucking rocked. But this is a character that in every single shot is showing that he morally does not agree with what's yeah. going on and there's no shot showing what happened to him. Yeah which that's is one of the few like, oversights. Seems like a big omission. <laughs> it feels
1: weird. Jermaine's whole deal feels weird in that movie too because there's multiple people on the boat with New Zealand and Australian accents, but he's doing an American accent and I don't understand why <laughs> that's necessary.
0: He's like, he's like, they stole my accent.
1: Yeah, they <laughs> gave
0: it to that other guy. They extracted it, like the juice. Yeah. I do like that there's new juice in this one. Like, I don't know why Cameron like has to have new juice in every a new type of juice but there's now there's like immortality juice which I guess is like going to like deeply play into like what the evil humans do later
1: well I think Cameron just sort of established in this day that like there's no part of pandora from which the humans won't do resource extraction <laughs> like whether totally, that's inside totally, a
0: whale yeah. or in a big mine or whatever yeah um, no no i i yeah i get that but it also it seems like a setup for the yeah. future future avatars where it's like how like where he's like he's almost saying that like like the the evil of like human colonialism is like made of mortal or something like there's something odd going on there yeah Yeah. it'll be
1: very interesting I do think I'm very that's the thing is like its morals are fairly clear but a lot of the direction of the series still feels pretty ambiguous which is kind of exciting like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm intrigued to know what the third movie is like is it forest meets water is it weird secret
0: third thing well here's the thing is he already gave up the titles for all five
1: Oh yeah, that is, that is true. And also they've already shot 95% of three and
0: the first act of four. Didn't he say that he could turned in a cut that's nine hours long for avatar three. Um, I don't know that. I know that there was a report a couple days ago,
1: um, that, uh, that, uh, that they shot 95% of three and five and the first act of four already.
0: Okay, here we go. The title of Avatar 3 is Avatar the Seed Bearer. <laughs> uh, and then Avatar 4 is titled Avatar the Tolkien Rider. So they're going back to the ocean to do Tolkien riding. And then Avatar 5 is titled Avatar the Quest for Awa, where they will seek out God. Yeah, I mean, that is
1: sort of the broader arc that's getting set up because it does feel like if there is a redemption for Quaritch, it's going to come
0: from some innately Pandoran thing. You know what I mean? Like, well, it, oh, there's going to be redemption in the sense of like, oh, well, yeah, he's going to definitely have to protect Pandora. And it feels like the reason why Quaritch as a Na'vi gets...
1: This like extra, oh, I guess the kid, he wasn't really aware of the kid in the, in the when he was a human guy. It,
0: it's the, it's the spider kid yeah. who, yeah, who like, oh, some people like weren't a big fan of, I, I think it's because act two doesn't do like a ton of favors in terms of giving them like momentum. It kind of always feels like, oh, we're watching the side quest now because they're like nowhere near finding them or like beginning or like butting heads. So we're just kind of like watching these two jerk offs on a road trip. Um, that's always tough for a move film. That's already lacking momentum. Um, but I, I liked spider.
1: Yeah, it's, I thought spider was fun. I thought spider was a good kid. I mean, spider was kind of like newt, you know, also and no, I didn't realize the similarity in their names until just now, but like they're both kind of underdeveloped, but they're like clearly kind of like emotional stand-ins that you can like read really easily and invest in.
0: Are you talking about Newt Gingrich? No, Newt from Aliens. <laughs> I know. Uh who <laughs> which was based on the the right. politician. Who well, she would grow up to marry him. Shit, that's Calista oh, Gingrich. Oh, right. Calista right, right Gingrich right, right, right. played Newt. Um yep. and Newt works for uh Corp. No, Wait, what's it called in an Aliens Universe? Wayland yutani uh, Yeah, Wayland. Yeah, Yutani. Yeah, 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 sure. Um but sure. It's, it's the
1: same it's the same thing where like I think those those uh those characters are like kind of shallow and a little bit like like pencil drawn or whatever but like like they're very clearly like serving a purpose the movie is making very clear and you can sort of emotionally latch onto and like that's fine like you know newt's newt in aliens and spider in this were never gonna have like the biggest arcs but they were extremely important for like to give these people who didn't
0: care about things a thing to care about. A hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there was just some like really amazing moments where like I'm sitting like in the theater in the third act. and I'm just like watching James Cameron like do homage to his own filmography. Like he's doing Titanic in some of this. Like there's like there's like shots that are totally like. From Titanic, like where the hallway is turning and the is flooding mm-hmm. down, uh, or like the ship is sinking and the is coming up, like the ship's like and tipping upward. The yeah, iconic like everything. everything, everything was just like wow, like man, like this this guy, like he's got a collective art consciousness about all this stuff, and and that was really fun to see. Um, yeah. My only my only big complaint about the theater experience was that a man immediately started a fight with someone right before the film started, and then called him the N-word.
1: Wow. And,
0: someone does and, not understand the spirit of, of Awa. And I was like, take that shit back to The Hobbit, okay? This is high frame rate, Avatar, okay? Uh, this, this is ridiculous. And then I was like, okay, everyone turned around and looked at the guy, and then we're like, okay, that's probably it. That was very tense, bad way to start Pandora. Um, And then two different times during the movie, the guy just kind of turned around and was like, I'm going to kick your ass. Like to a guy like two rows back. And I was like, this is a huge bummer. And, you know, we've all waited 14, 15 years to go back to Pandora. And this is this is how you want to spend it, sir. I should have I should have arrested him.
1: Yeah, that guy was deserving of a citizen's arrest. I had a great theater time. I took a small amount of mushrooms and ate a lot of popcorn oh. and enjoyed the movie. Now, what's a small amount? Like one mushroom cap and stem,
0: like oh, okay. like a little less than yeah, a gram, like a, a little less than a gram or something. Yeah, and was that? Let's talk. Let's talk high frame rate for a second, then, because you saw we both saw high frame yeah, rate. Yeah, I saw HFR baby this was like the first time I felt like I was watching like my my PC play a movie where I was like oh like I guess I need more RAM for this sequence or something like whenever it would switch between the frame rates there's this like choppiness to 24 after you watch a little bit of 48 that's really disconcerting
1: yeah I, I always found it looking a little I actually kind of liked the 24 more than the 48 and it's just like from being trained to watch movies and stuff all the time but like I, I, the transition's always weird to me out because it would always feel like it was going a little more soap operatic. Like, I like the kind of gaps in space or whatever of 24. <clears throat> and so that was a little bit that was a little bit vexing to me, but it was never terrible. The, the uh-huh. worst one was, like, when they're like, the kid is missing and everyone gets ready to dive in the water and it ramps up to 48. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. this look, I hate this.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting because I saw it at a Dolby digital sc- uh, cinema screen. Uh, Which Cameron says is his choice way of experiencing the film. And so when they were in the high frame rate areas and with that incredible projection, it was like it, it sounds fucking corny, but it did feel like I was looking through a window and not on a screen like it felt that real, like up, up in my face. Like it looked wet. It looked like I could stick my hand out and like touch them. And I wasn't even in 3d. This is a 2d screening. So there is something really to that. I think everything underwater and the high frame rate really, really works because when you're underwater, there's no motion blur. Like we're used to that experience, but like, uh, on land... And, like, with 24 frames, we're used to, like, a little motion blur. That's, like, kind of how our eyes process images. So when things are at higher frame rates, it does start to seem a little unnatural. I think a really cool thing thematically would have been if he'd kept everything underwater at 48. And every time you come up for air, you're at 24. I think it would have, like, worked to, like, (laughs) sell the theme that the ocean is magic. I think it could have, like, worked as, like, a nice, like, visual, like, difference or whatever without, like switching off and on between sequences that that would have been my suggestion because I don't want to like completely discourage it because there was like moments of pure awe with it. Like there were moments like where it looked, it was unlike anything i ever experienced yeah. before. And I was like, this is why he did it. But then there was moments where I was like, Meh. I think part of this movie,
1: uh, I think someone made this in a review that I was like, but the only thing with this movie is that like, this movie isn't trying to feel real. It's trying to like take you into its imagination. Like it's not, it, it wants everything to feel magical and crazy, which is like separates it from like, a like, like, you know, all the superhero movies want to be like, what if it was our life, but their superheroes are around or whatever. And this movie is like no fucking time for that. Um, mm-hmm. and like, it's that's so exciting. And I think the, the speed ramping helps that, even though I think you're right, like using it in a more thematically clear way would have maybe been helpful. And then like the dedication of like building a 120 by 60 by 30 gallon tank on a soundstage. that holds 150,000 gallons of water, uh, shooting it from all angles, not letting people breathe during the underwater sequences. Cause the motion capture sensors get fucked up by bubbles. Like Inventing new cameras and building entire ass boats and creating virtual sets around
0: this tank so they can do land to sea stuff. Like, fa- I think they built like fake sea animals or, and stuff like that. They too. built like proxy sea animal things, yeah. <laughs> um
1: that like even if they didn't like even if they weren't animated, they like put them in and then like put a version over them that was animated that they tracked right, and stuff. Right, right, right. Um but like yeah, like all this shit and it's 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 Sometimes I'll complain about, and I know you've talked about this, we've talked about this before, like the budget for a movie not appearing on the screen, you know, and being like, where did the budget for this movie go? Like it's not in the movie. This is a movie where the budget wasn't just $300 million. It was also 13 years. And you can see all 13 years on screen. Like it, it, everything about it is like perfect and meticulously created. And it's also effective. And I think that's, to get to the story for a second, I think like, the heightened emotional is like the very simple nature of the story and it's very emotional sort of elements pairs so well with the sort of spectacular nature of the production that all the emotions are heightened by how real and immersive it is. And all of the sort of magic of the, the world that we're seeing is also heightened by like the emotional connection we had with these characters in that world. And they pair together so well to make it like a movie that really is like, like it's hard to remember a movie that was similarly affecting uh, in terms of just like being purely transportative. Like there are other movies I've enjoyed yeah, more and other movies that have like emotionally affected me more but in terms of just being like yeah, I live on Pandora now like, like come on like nothing's like transporting me like that not any Star Wars or anything like
0: that ever. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to mainly agree with that. I think it's something that you have to, you know, for all of its pros and for its very tiny couple cons, something that you have to experience for yourself. I think this movie is going to steamroll through Christmas. uh, And, you know, it hasn't really dropped that far in sales for its Friday to Saturday. So I think it's going to keep growing. And I think everyone's going to go see it this holiday. And uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm going to go see it again in IMAX 3D this time. And yeah, I just, my first thought. It's just like, I want to go back and see it again. Yeah. And this time, I'm going to be the guy screaming the slurs.
1: Congratulations. (laughs) I can't wait to see which ones you choose. (laughs) (laughs) Google, which
0: slurs can you still say? You pull up your little menu, (laughs) your little laminated menu. (laughs) What's still on that list. This is, this is, uh, sorry, there's no menus in here. This isn't the draft house, okay? We, we sneak our food in our backpacks. That's what I did. Like real Americans. Um but yeah uh excited for movies. Thank you Jim. Thank you so much. And uh we'll see you uh, on Pandora for Avatar 3 4 5 and whenever they whenever they put you in a casket however many they let you make. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be 3 or 4. I think it's going to be 3 or 5.
1: Interesting. I think that it's like I he said in an interview that it was designed I, that like three would be a satisfying ending. Then he has another idea he wants to pursue in four and five. So I don't think he
0: wouldn't make four if he couldn't also make five to finish it. Interesting. Cause like, okay. Cause I feel like he just overshot three and he's like, well, part of this is probably four. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: according to him in an interview, three is supposed to end like to complete sort of one section of the story. And then there's another section. Gotcha. Just like he
0: gets to do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, well, Hey, I'll let's, uh, Let's stop those humans folks. I think that's a good. I think that's good for now. We're at what are we? Almost 120. Episode. It's a longer app. Um, yeah. Well,
1: think enjoy all the bonus content folks. Uh and thanks again to Haley for uh, doing the episode.
0: I think we may have forgot the yes. top. She's the best. I know we did. We forgot. And Haley, I hope you didn't listen this far in I really I would hate to hear a sound effect right there when we said your name and be like, damn, she she listened to this whole thing. Yeah, that
1: would be brutal. But, you know, I I just want to get it on the record. All right. Well, until next week, see you guys later. Peace.